This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. I hope you're doing good. hope you're doing well and enjoying uh, what is now, of course, match day's eve, as we like to say. Day before we play Chelsea, it's going to be an interesting one. That's easy to say at this point. It's going to be... Uh, <laughs> can't even get through with that, you know, cracking a smile about how poor Arsenal have been of late. But we need to get points in this one. We need to get some points. I know it's unlikely. I know that we were supposed to take the pressure off. But, yeah, we need some points. And it's going to be very, very tricky to do so. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Morning to Matt, to Trevor, to John. Uh, who else have we got? FC West Mid, Sartvik, William, Paul, Answer. Good morning, guys. Christopher, Kevin, Martin, Kevin. Um... Lots of Kevins in the chat. Canoe, good morning to you. Gene Auburn, Femi, Afsar, good morning. Uh, Kieran, Colin, Stephen, Adam, Rich, Carly, GGTV for you. Good morning, guys. Simon, sorry I can't say good morning to everybody. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I love this uh, from says, Damn, I was almost first, other than about 20 other people. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, good morning, Charlie, uh, Mr. Riggle, uh, and plenty more of you guys as well. Hope that you're having a good morning, a good week so far, and have recovered from Sunday, Sunday, Saturday's disappointment, of course, uh, and that you had a good Easter as well. I had a nice barbecue yesterday. It was great, enjoyable, um, got plenty of work done as well, and more to be done, of course, which I'll talk about in just a second. If you haven't already subscribed to the Arsenal Way, which now has a brand new meaning to its name after something we're going to discuss in a little bit more detail uh, in this morning's news roundup, but do subscribe. We are live at 10 a.m., uh, every single weekday morning so make sure that you are a subscriber if you are not already and uh, check out some of the latest pieces that have gone out from myself over on football.london uh, a piece which was an open letter to Alexandra Lacazette off the back of his uh, his interview in which he talked about wanting to join a Champions League club it's a both it's a critique and it's uh, a championing of, of Alex Lacazette as well it's very balanced I feel but do give it a read do let me know what you think another piece uh, in which I was uh, joined by Kai Karnak and Tashan and Bailey and Chris to do a debate piece around what has been the biggest 
issue at Arsenal so far this season? Has it been Mikel Arteta's decision-making? Has it been the lack of January signings uh, in the winter window? Or has it been the injuries to players like Thomas Partey, Tierney, Tommy Asu, etc.? What has been the biggest factor in Arsenal's downfall in the last three fixtures? We discussed that, debate that, and more in that piece. And that's one to check out. And lastly, a piece on what the biggest clue that Mikel Arteta is that will still be here next season, which we'll discuss a little bit further on in today's show. Now, uh, a little bit of Arsenal-related news. Former Arsenal striker Lucas Perez got on the score sheet to give Cadiz a 1-0 win at Barcelona. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because last night my social feed was filled uh, with reaction to this game. In particular, of course, a lot of people highlighting the fact that Barcelona losing 1-0 at home despite the presence of Aubameyang being there as well um, is, is something to talk about and there's some kind of irony in that. Teams lose games even if they've got a Bamiang or not, I think was the point that was being raised. And every time I bring up any story about Bamiang, what I do find is people in the, the comment section typically saying that there's some kind of agenda, which I find very, very odd and strange. But, you know, people are entitled to think what they want. I can tell you, for instance, that that isn't the case and that we're just reporting the Arsenal-related news. But former Arsenal striker Lucas Perez getting a goal at Barca is, is quite a story. And Cadiz have done great since coming up from the second tier. They did great last season with Ad Alvaro Negredo uh, kind of leading the line for them uh, as their main goal scorer last season. Lucas Perez has joined them since and yeah, getting on the score sheet at the camp now, which is certainly very impressive indeed. Not the first time he's scored against Barcelona, though. Um, and had done for Deportivo La Coruña, who's the team that we bought him from, of course. So, an interesting one. Check out the highlights if you haven't done so already. Uh, now, following Balogun, uh, a very interesting link to Fulham yesterday dropped. Fulham, of course, at the top of the championship right now, looking to promote themselves to the Premier League. Alexandra Mitrovic is their main striker and has scored a ton of goals. 38, I think, to be precise. A ridiculous number, considering how many games he's played. And he's got a silly number of assists to go on alongside that too. He has been absolutely prolific uh, in, in the championship this season. But Fulham want to add some extra firepower to their team for next season. And Balogun is said to be on their list of players. They want him on loan. However... There is talk of a supposed view to make the deal permanent. I don't think that's something that Arsenal would be interested in. I'm sure they would be open to the idea of sending him on loan to a Premier League club to give him plenty of minutes and opportunities in the top tier of English football. However, would he get many minutes considering they have Alexandra Mitrovic? I don't know. I'm not sure. It would depend on how Mitrovic obviously gets on. But it's it's a one that we have to follow and we will follow it of course throughout the summer window whether or not he's brought back integrated into the team I think if we get Europa League there's no reason why Balogun cannot be integrated into the squads and be given opportunities from the bench in plenty of fixtures next season and plenty of starts in the cup games and the Europa League games if we are to qualify for the competition so let's wait and see what happens with that uh, moving on to our penultimate story not too much news to discuss today uh, Tuto Juve reporting that Paolo Dybala has received contact from Arsenal's representatives who are looking to try and bring the Argentinian forward on a free transfer in the summer. It's a deal that I have become more open to the more I've kind of reflected upon the idea of bringing in maybe a more experienced forward that's been playing at the peak of his powers for quite some time now, scoring plenty of goals in Serie A. And combining him with, say, one of those young forwards that we genuinely invest a lot of money in, say, a, a Jonathan David or a Nunez or, or a, maybe a slightly older one in Latara Martinez at 24 years of age or an Ozzyman at 23. I think that bringing in two forwards where one of them is a more experienced 29-year-old 
um, versatile attacker that's got plenty of experience on a free deal. I think there's plenty of positives with that if you sign them alongside, say, a player that you're investing plenty more money in. Then there's lots to be positive about there. I think Dybala's versatility certainly helps him out in this situation as well. Can play with, say, a number nine in the Arsenal first team and on his own as a number nine as well. So I like the idea of this move. Whether or not it turns out to be like solid and genuine and real, we'll have to absolutely wait and see. Uh, Matt says, won't his wages be astronomical? I mean, they'll be fairly high because of what he's at. But when you consider the fact of kind of the level that he can produce and the age that he's at, the fact that he's still 29, can produce... Sorry, he's 28, turns 29 in November. Um, he's going to be a player that produces... Um, and that we've seen plenty more. His wage at the moment is uh, apparently £225,000 per week, which isn't surprising considering where he's at at Juventus and uh, his age that he's at. Not surprising at all. But uh, I know that that will put people off. They won't want to see Arsenal play pay that amount of money. But if you can get him on a free deal, I don't see why... Um, that wouldn't be a wage that you wouldn't be able to to overcome paying, especially when you're moving, say, Lacazette off the wage bill. You've moved Aubameyang off the wage bill. We've moved plenty of other players off the wage bill. We could afford to bring him in. And it's not like it breaks the wage structure because of his age, because of his experience coming in to be, well, we'd be turning 29 in November alongside Xhaka and Partey, one of the most experienced players in the team. Xhaka and Partey are two of the highest paid players at the club as well. It makes sense. It fits with what is there. So, you know, Lacazette, uh, sorry, Bellerin's wage is going to be off the wage bill in the summer, you'd imagine as well. Plenty more too. So I don't think it's too much of an issue. But do let us know uh, in the comment section as well, if you're watching this on Catch Up, what your thoughts are around Paolo Dybala. If you don't want him though, or if you do want him, make sure to leave your explanation and your reasons. Don't go, no, not good enough. I want to know why. You tell me what your feelings are around the player. And finally, our headline story of the day, which is something that was discussed quite heavily yesterday, is that David Ornstein of The Athletic reporting that Arsenal have enlisted the help of consultancy firm People Made to embark upon what sources call a top-to-bottom cultural review of the club. The project, known internally as The Arsenal Way, has already begun the aims to hear from staff at all levels of the organisation, identify what has gone wrong and attempt to put things right. Now, interestingly, this brought up a lot of uh, discussion on socials yesterday because in 2020, Arsenal released an article on their website that uh, Mikel Arteta was the headliner of after the FA Cup victory, saying how Arteta has changed the culture at the club. Now, I think that's short-sighted, in my opinion, because changed the culture doesn't mean that the project is finished or that the changing of the... Um, of the club has finished by any means. It means what has changed in that amount of time? What has been done in that period? So I don't think that there's any reason as to why we shouldn't be encouraged to see a cultural review go on. We've been moaning about the cultural issues at Arsenal for years and years and years. And any attempt to, you know, get a third party source not someone that's internal someone that can come with a fresh pair of eyes and look at the club from that perspective you know i i'm welcoming of it but what i would say is that the timing of this and the reveal of the timing of this is very suspicious uh to be losing three games and then for this information to leak and be reported by the athletic after this to try and you know dampen the What's the word? Woes, I suppose, of the fan base and the frustrations thinking, oh, we want change at the club. And now you all of a sudden you see this article coming out saying that we've got 
uh, <laughs> a cultural review going on, that things are being done to try and address the problems that we've got at the club. It's very suspiciously timed. Let's not be naive about this, that we're not having the wall po- pulled over our eyes by any means. So whilst I will welcome any kind of initiative that's looking to try and change things to improve the club, sure, I am not being naive to the fact that this is coming out at a certain period of time where change is being asked for and scrutiny is high because Arsenal might miss out on the top four. Let's see what happens. But no one's sitting here and going, oh, this changes my opinion of how the club's being run like that. It doesn't. It doesn't change the way I view of the club. It doesn't change the view of the mistakes that have been made, the things that do need to change. And if we finish outside the top six this season, it won't change my view about the changes that need to be made from a managerial perspective either. What I would say, though, is that it's interesting about the article is that Arteta, Edu uh, and Per Mertesacker are all named as key parts of this process and project that they're trying to do, which is probably the biggest indication that we've had so far, um, besides obviously the reports from my colleague Chris Wheatley that Arsenal were confident about Arteta signing a new deal, the biggest clue that we have from the club that he will sign a new deal because he's part of this team and he's part of this project that they're using to move us forwards. So it's not surprising that this has come out now. It's a little bit frustrating. I want to know your thoughts and feelings in the chat box. I want to get a poll going about this as well. If you've got any ideas about how what that poll should be and what we should kind of target to get thoughts and feelings about. Um, I actually might. Yes, I actually have got an idea. I want to know how much you think the culture has changed with Arteta at the helm with a simple yes or no answer. Has and for the better, has Mikel Arteta changed the culture of Arsenal during his time here for the better? That's the question. Yes or no? It's. I know that there might be some in-between. You want to say it's improved. But if it is improved in any way at all, then you'd say yes. If you think it's been made worse, then you put no. If you don't think it's changed, you put no. Um, so it's as simple as that. Has Mikel Arteta changed the culture of Arsenal during his time here for the better? Let's, uh, let's put that into the chat box and see what you, not, you guys have been saying and get some votes on that poll. Uh, let's scroll up. And go to Krishal, who says, "Is it possible Laka has already left?" Hold on, I've broken, oh, I've broken my format. Hold on, let's take a break. let's take a quick break, uh, and then come back to your questions. Krishal, don't worry, I won't let forget about your question. Oh, oh, I forgot my project. Forgot my project there. I hope Arsenal don't do the same thing. Forgot my format. Uh, Chriselle, there you go. There's your question. Is it possible Laka has already left mentally? Should we put our top four hopes on him when he stated he's talking to many clubs and wants one with Champions League football? Has he mentally checked out? I don't know. Uh, and the reason why I say I don't know is because there was rumours again that he wasn't in training. Now, we're told, um, you know, until we're given reason to not, and there is a press conference today uh, at one o'clock, I think, um, and we'll obviously bring you that press conference on the Arsenal Way channel. Link is in the description as always. Um, but there is obviously that that feeling, that worry, that that concern uh, that he has checked out or that there has been issues. Because if you remember back to the last press conference, Mikel Arteta said that 
you know, <laughs> there was personal reasons behind Alexander Cazette not being at the club right now. And then it turned out that they blamed it on, you know, testing positive, which, you know, you can believe that. We're in the middle of a pandemic still. Of course he could test positive. But why not just say he was ill? Why not just say that if he's not there? It seems like an easy excuse. Uh, and I don't think, again, that we're we're idiots. If he has checked out or if there's been issues, then no, you don't play him for obvious reasons because you need the players that are focused and that have got their mindset. But at the end of the day, he's been playing Eddie Nketiah, whose mind is on the future, not on getting Arsenal where they need to be next season. So why would we continue to play two strikers that are not going to be committed to the club next season? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, John says, what if everyone, including Arteta, decides that removing Arteta improves the culture? Yeah. I mean, if that's what you feel needs to change, um, then I wouldn't blame you for voting no. Snapdog Junior says, Mikel has changed nothing, Tom. I think that's wrong, in my opinion. He's changed the way we recruit. He's changed the way in which there's accountability at the club. He's changed the pathway for young players into the team a lot more stringently. You see plenty more coming through. He's improved certain aspects of certain players, not all. I think you've adding goals to likes of Smith, Rowe and Sack and getting goals from those players is certainly evidence of progression. I think what he's been able to achieve in the pandemic at the start certainly was a real positive. And to, you know, I know people don't really talk about that because of the league finish, but the fact that we've been able to continue to recruit and improve the squad and lower the, the wage bill and lower the age profile, it's not changed as competitively yet. And that's the big thing. And I'm never going to sit here and say that all of that is great. And so therefore we should just turn a blind eye to what's going wrong on the pitch because we shouldn't. But to say that he's done nothing is wrong. It's just wrong. It's just not true. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. Jeremy says, Tom, if the rumours of Kakare only costing 50 million are true, isn't that a no-brainer? His progressive passing and carrying ability would level up our midfield. As a replacement for Mohamed Elneny at 15 million pounds, I think it would be a very smart move for Arsenal. James says, are you feeling as down about things as I am? I can literally see no positives at the club this season. I've never felt so down about a season as I have this season. That's a shame, James. Um, I don't blame you for being as down as you are because it's a real big disappointment what we've seen. But what I would say is that you have to try and sometimes contextualise, try and just pocket the frustration and the negativity for a second that I understand that you have and focus on going through the list of things that have changed and have improved. Because if you can't do that, then even if we change coach and a new manager comes in, you're going to be thinking they're coming in from, you know, square, not even one, but zero or minus one or whatever when the actual reality is that the squad has improved. We've changed a lot about the squad. We've improved the squad. We're moving in the right direction so that if we do change manager, a new manager got a much better canvas to you know paint their own project on this team. It's not reliant on the manager. If you look at the previous kind of squads, the Emery squad was becoming very Emery. The Wenger squad was very Wenger, as you would expect for a manager that had been that here that long. Arteta's squad is not necessarily Arteta. Arteta squad is very young and there's lots of impressionable, um, youthful players that can be, you know, molded and they're malleable to change under a new coach, whereas you wouldn't necessarily see that if we'd have continued on the path of signing experienced players like Socrates and keeping players like Ozil and Mustafi here. It wasn't the same. There's only a few experienced heads at the club still. Lacazette, Cedric, Xhaka, Elneny. Um, and who's the one I'm forgetting? Partey, of course. And we're losing Elneny, Lacazette in the summer. We could even lose Xhaka, who knows? We'll see. Um, 
but there's not too many. Pepe is one of the more experienced heads as well. His future is uncertain. There's a lot that can be changed and be malleable about. And I think if you look at the starting 11 this season and what the starting 11 has done, in my opinion, if we'd have kept the starting 11 fit, I think we would have made this top four. I think there was a real chance that we could have got into top four. However, that's not an excuse to save Arteta from anything because it was his decisions in the January window that have cost us when we've lost key players in the first team or when the striker isn't scoring goals, we didn't bring anyone in as another option. That falls on Arteta and Edu and the club, you know, for not making those choices. So just because we've built a starting eleven that's maybe good enough to compete for the top four, if you haven't been able to take the opportunity laid in front of you to improve the squad as a whole... I'm still going to criticise you for that because it's worthy of criticism. So saying we've had injuries doesn't justify where we're at right now. Trevor says, Tom, the team picked itself. Uh, That's got us to fourth spot. Injuries came along. Do you think that Arteta hasn't the set of mind to cope with this? Trevor, I think that's, again, very harsh. I think that Arteta has installed the new fullback philosophy that unfortunately has seen us fall apart because we've been unable to have both our fullbacks. It's changed the way in which we approach our fullback play. Having Tommy Asu and having a player like Tierney, getting the best on those two players. And then he was able to adapt when we lost Tommy Asu. He coached Kieran Tierney to play the more disciplined role that Tommy Asu had been playing. And Cedric was the more offensive of the pair. And that's why we succeeded during so many games without Tommy Asu and Cedric at right back, because the coaching of that position was so changed. When we lost um, Kieran Tierney, and we went to Tavares, and we went to Cedric, it's fallen apart. We've taken, and that's down to Arteta again for not strengthening. It's down to Arteta for deciding to put Xhaka at left-back against Brighton. It's down to Arteta for letting Callum Chambers go, who I feel certainly could have played the Tommy Asu role a hell of a lot better than what Cedric could, especially after we lose Tierney. Chambers, we didn't. no one's really talking about this. I actually wrote a piece about this yesterday. No one's really talked about the Chambers loss all that much. But to me, Chambers is a much better stylistic cover for Tommy Asu to allow a player like Tavares to flourish more. If you played Chambers at right back over Cedric, stylistically, we wouldn't have to change too much about the way we play after losing Tommy Asu. But we decided to let him go with just six months left on his deal with barely any financial reward after he joined Aston Villa. Why? It was pointless. We didn't need to do that. He was going in the summer. That was a mistake. I don't think the team picks itself, Trevor. I think it's a team that's been made. I think the team that we've got as a starting eleven. the only way you'd argue that it picks itself is because the starting eleven outshines the depth. But it's a starting eleven that he's made, he's picked and coached to play some really good football this season. But when we've, lo- when we've lost some of those key players, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's fallen apart because we didn't strengthen and we didn't improve those areas, which again, as I keep saying, falls on the manager. Um, Aditya says, do you think Eddie Nketi will end up in a Premier League side? I'd be shocked if he does. And if he does, he won't be starting, is what I would say. Uh, Junior says, just read an article that shows that Wenger's last two years where the club was in turmoil. He was still way outperforming Arteta in this season, which is supposed to be one of our best seasons in ages. Junior, could you DM me that article? I would very much like to read it. I can't really comment on it without doing so. Savik says, Tom, is it just me or are we linked to the entire Lille midfield and attack? I mean, we have very good links with Lille and because we have good links with Lille and we've signed plenty of their players in the past, it's very easy to link us with those players. So that's why I would say to be you know, hesitant about taking in uh, those specific rumours. Uh, Jake says, yes, still needs to add plenty of quality to compete. Absolutely. Snipedot says, uh, but we are giving Eddie and Ketty a start against Southampton while we pay Alba to be Barca and scoring goals. Again, I had no issue with Aubameyang leaving. My issue was not replacing him. And that's the criticism. 
I don't disagree with you, Snipe Dot. Like, I can't. Ed, starting Eddie Nketiah is not evidence that we're going in the right direction. It's evidence that we've made mistakes that we shouldn't have made. It's as simple as that. Jay, did you see the rumours about the Paraguayan kid uh, in Cisco? Uh, Bit Martinelli-like, meant to be going to Brighton in January, but we're scouting now. No, I didn't. Um, let's have a quick look at who this guy is. My Paraguayan football knowledge, uh, you'll be surprised to know, is not really up there uh, amongst other areas of the game. 18-year-old, second striker, plays for... Uh, Club Libertat Asuncion uh, and has scored 10 goals in nine games with one assist. Wow, impressive. I will reach out to someone I know who's good with Peruvian football and try and get some information on from a Paraguayan perspective, see if they have any contacts there. I'll keep an eye on that, Jay, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, Lynn says, I feel that the fans has only changed if we are winning. They don't look at the bigger picture. What I would say is that it's, you know, my expectations at the start of the season were sixth, um, fifth and sixth, more so fifth, to be fair. But Europa League, top six is what I expected from this season. That's the next step forwards. And I thought we didn't have a squad that was good enough to be a top four team, to be honest. The problem is, is that we've overperformed in certain areas and we've put ourselves into a position where we have competed for top four and the players, sorry, the teams and the rivals around us have underperformed from what I expected. And the combination of those two factors have opened up an opportunity for us. And we've not taken advantage of it. In fact, we've gambled our season in the January window. Spurs strengthened. Kulisevsky, Benton Court, and obviously they changed their manager. We didn't strengthen and we weakened ourselves with the players that we let go of. And that's the reason why we're not going to get four at top four, along with the injuries and along with poor decision-making from Mikel Arteta. If we finish in the top six, as I've said a number of times, I would not give him a new contract. I would want to see the last year to see if we can improve this squad and what can happen because I've seen enough evidence for me that I can move forwards, but I wouldn't give him a new contract. If we finish in the top four, I would, but it's only ifs and buts at the moment. If we finish outside the top six, there is no doubt in my mind that we should be changing coach, but it's if we finish outside the top six. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, John says, we need more Arsenal people on the board like David O'Leary. Absolutely agree. People that know what it means to be Arsenal and not just interested in making money. Absolutely. Noel says, if Arteta doesn't get top six, do you think the fans should try to make a message to the board and owners to sack? Look, you're entitled to do what you want within the realms of what's respectful as a fan. And, you know, that's open to interpretation. I don't think flying a plane over the stadium is a, is positive or a good idea. Also, for those that don't know, that company is owned by a Blackpool fan that's trying to make a bit of money from the looks of things, um, allegedly. So, you know, <laughs> take with that what you will. It's a, take it with a, a huge grain of salt. But if, you, if you're getting involved with really flying a plane over the stadium, you probably need to take a long, hard look at yourself, to be fair. Do we need to make a message? You make a message with your feet. That's what I always say is if you don't, if you're not happy with things, if you're not happy with the state of the club, don't spend your money. Don't go. Don't put many money into the club. If that, if you're not happy with it, don't buy merchandise. Don't go to the games. Support the team from home. Sure. Give up your ticket to someone else who wants to go, but don't go yourself. That's the message that you send. That's the message that you have to send in my view. I don't do it the same way as other people, you know, uh, whilst you know a good friend of the show Turkish does the protest and all that that's fine you're entitled to do that I personally don't it's just the way I look at things it's just I don't look at things in, in that same way in same fashion because it's just my opinion it's just the way I act as a fan if I don't have if I'm not supportive of the club of what they're doing in terms of the direction they're moving 
I won't invest any money into it. I'll invest my time as an Arsenal fan in the sense that I'll always support Arsenal and want them to succeed and want them to achieve things. But that's that's my personal protest. It's just what I'm what I do. But if you do something different within the realms of what I've said is is respectful, I think that's fine. And Madupe says, thank you, Tom. The squad ain't built around Arteta. It's built around what the club want to do. That is Edu's job to build a project that will revolve around the club, not the manager. Uh, Snubber says, I'm sorry, this fraud has to go. He has done nothing for me to say yes. He's changed that we look worse than last season, except a few players, Ramsdale, Partey at times, and Saka. Again, I think that's wrong. But Snipe Dot, send me a DM because I'd really like to get you on the show to have a discussion about this because it's a point of view that I don't have. And whenever we talk to people in the chat box that are putting across these types of views, I'm I'm always welcome to people to come on and, and talk to me about this. Every time I, I say this and every time I offer this, I'd say 99%, 99 times out of 100, people don't respond. Um, it's very easy to sit in a chat box and you know say things, but it's a different thing to come on the show and, and talk about it. It's not to say I disagree with everything you're saying. I think there's certain points you raise that I agree with, but to say that nothing's changed, I'd love to have a conversation with either you or plenty of other people. So the DMs are always open. The Guna Talk TV on Twitter, at the Guna Talk on Instagram. Send us a message. I'm always open to chat, always open to sort out a phone-in show where we discuss these differing views. Um, do message me rather than sitting in a chat box. Uh, Terence says, Arteta could not handle big personalities like Genduzi, Saliba and Aubameyang. Um, Xhaka is a pretty big personality. You know, I, I think that, that it's a, a generalisation that he can't handle these big personalities. And what does that mean? What does big personality mean? Does it mean rebellious? Is that what big personality means? Because do you want a rebellious player at the club? I'm not sure I do. And I don't think that Saliba is rebellious. And I don't think Saliba has a big personality in the same way that Aubameyang and Genduzi had problems. I think that Saliba is a young player with a lot to learn, a lot more to develop. And I think that this season on loan at Marseille, he's done a lot of developing, a lot of maturing, a lot of improving. I think he's done a lot of those things. Uh, and... Hopefully he comes back and stays. We'll learn a lot about the Saliba situation this summer. I'm not going to judge now because I want to see what happens. We made a mistake in 2020, absolutely. But since then, since the summer of 2020, I have no issue with what we've done with Saliba. None at all. Sending him on loan in January of 2021 to Nice, fine. Sending him on loan to Marseille in 2021-22 uh, season, fine. I think he's benefited from those loans. We made a mistake in 2020. I'm not going to sit here and try and defend that. We made a mistake. But I don't think that he's a big personality that Arteta can't handle. I think actually the way we've handled him since uh, January 2021 has been absolutely fine. Genduzi, wrong player, wrong place, wrong time. He's a player that will go on, I am sure, to great things because he's got lots of talent and at the right club can succeed. I don't think he was going to succeed under Mikel Arteta. I don't think it wasn't necessarily going to work. And I don't think he necessarily showed that it was going to work at Arsenal either. I think he showed that at Hertha Berlin as well, another club where it just didn't work out. It's the reason why Hertha Berlin didn't want to keep him. Marseille, he's flourished because he's at the right club. If you're in the right environment, you will flourish. Aubameyang, big personality, absolutely in regards to self-confidence, in regards to kind of his mindset of how he wants to do things. And he's fallen out with, you know, the way in which he left Dortmund. It's not surprising that he left Arsenal the way he did. He left Dortmund in a very similar fashion. So it's, it's, there's no smoke without fire, if you like to say. He benefited from the move. We benefited from the move. The only way that we didn't benefit from the move is because we didn't replace him. And that's the crux of that problem, not specifically Aubameyang. Um, 
So there you go. Uh, Madupe says that's why we should have kept Chambers. Again, absolutely agree regarding um, the, the, the the fullback situation. We absolutely should have kept Callum Chambers. Priyank says, Hi Tom, including this January and the summer window, around 9 to 10 players will be leaving either on free or on loan. I don't think in the best case scenario, also we will be able to replace them all. Uh, I mean, if you think about how many players could leave, you're probably in the right ballpark of that amount of players. Are we going to sign that many players? No. I think there's going to be an expectation that we'll replace some of them with those that are coming through in the youth team, which is fine. Plenty of clubs do that all the time. You know, I don't think Eddie Nketiah necessarily needs to be replaced um, by a £50 million striker. I think Lacazette certainly does. And then we need to sign another striker because we've got Balogun to replace Nketiah. We've got, we had Aubameyang and we have Lacazette. We're going to lose Lacazette. We need to replace those two strikers. Eddie Nketiah moving on can be replaced by, in-house, Balogun, in my opinion. There's other players that can be replaced in-house as well. The right-back situation, I don't necessarily think needs to change in the summer because I want to see what Brooke Norton Cuffey can do. Really exciting talent coming through. Left-hand side, there's more of a discussion to be had about Tierney and his injury record and whether or not we should maybe sign someone because Tavares just doesn't seem to be flavour of the month or the flavour of the season with Arteta. I think there's decisions and discussions that need to be made. I'm going to take a quick drink. We're going to answer some more of your questions and more after this quick break. Okay, part three. Um, I don't usually do a part three, but I'm going to continue because there's some really good discussion going on in the chat box and I don't want to slow it down. Amira says, here's another poll idea. Uh, if Laka doesn't start and we play the same lineup we did against Southampton, who takes the pens? Should we miraculously get one? Um, it's a good question. Who would take the penalties? Who would take the penalties? Um, Martinelli, maybe. Maybe Martinelli has taken a penalty before in, a, in you know in the Olympics, I believe. So... I think maybe Martinelli should be up there. Let's have a look at the, at the poll as well that we've put out for you guys because we haven't really given it much love. Uh, has Mikel Arteta changed the culture of Arsenal during his time here for the better? 67% of you say yes. Of 212 votes, 33% say no. Of course, that's my audience, not reflective of the entire Arsenal fan base, of course. But interesting that the audience, 67% of people in here say yes. 33% of people say no. Very interesting indeed. Um, uh, the wiki dicky, I think, is what that says. Uh, one, two, three says, do we? Do you think there are any obvious candidates for the Arsenal job? If the very rare chance that we sack Mikel Arteta, I think that if we do, we should get Lucien Favre. Uh, but there aren't proper candidates. Uh, I think that Roberto Mancini is an option that Arsenal should consider. I think that Christophe Galtier is a, uh, a coach that Arsenal should consider. Looking beyond that, Maurizio Pochettino obviously gets discussed. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. It's probably the block of the. It's probably the Spurs' mental block in my mind that stops me from really considering that. But Mancini and Galtier are two that I would certainly look at. What Mancini did with that Italy team to win a European Championships, you know, was a great, great achievement. And despite not qualifying for the World Cup, it's it's so different. You know, a qualification process. Lots happened throughout a qualification process and it was a one-off game against North Macedonia that they lost. Going through a genuine international tournament as seen during the Euros, you know, that's very different. And his Premier League experience of winning a Premier League title with Manchester City and improving that team, buying big players, buying players like Sergio Aguero, Yaya Toure, improving players like Vincent Kompany and Pablo Zabaleta. You know, I think Mancini's got the pedigree and I would certainly be open to that idea of seeing that at the club. But uh, as you say, 
the wiki ticket, I don't expect Arteta to go anywhere. So talk of new managers is often a little bit premature, if you like. Uh, Ronald says, Luis, uh, Luis Sinistera, Gakpo alternative, young, cheaper, and more of a left wing. Won't be a striker option, though. Yeah, we have been linked to him in the past. Gustavo says, hey, Tom, what can be done for Arteta to use the team to the best of their abilities if he doesn't have his first 11 fit? There is no plan B. And that's on us, Gustavo, again. Having no plan B is on us. And the naivety against Southampton to take both of your fullbacks off, again, it's just something I can't get over. I know I talk about it, and I've talked about it every day since the Southampton game, but it's because I just can't get my head around why we did that. It made no sense at all. Uh, let's go on a little bit more. Terence says, why did we lose out on Bruno Guimaraes? Was it the Cronkies being tight or Arteta not fancying him? Um, Newcastle went in with more money that anyone else was able to compete with uh, in the end. Uh, no, no one else was willing to kind of jump on the Guimaraes deal in January. Everyone wanted to wait until the summer. Um, Newcastle didn't. And so they got their man. Easy peasy. Neil says, Tom, if we would have kept Chambers, brought Bruno Guimaraes and loaned Morata, would it have been a better? Absolutely. No, the Morata thing was laughed at. Morata was laughed at by Arsenal fans continuously. Morata on loan would have been a very smart bit of business for Arsenal. A very smart bit of business. Because Morata brings you experience. Morata is a good finisher. His statistics completely outstripped Lacazette's, like, wildly so, even during his difficult first half of the season with Juve. They brought in Vlaovic. We should have got Morata on loan. And and it seems mad because of you know we've we've seen Morata become basically kind of a bit of a caricature if you like, but he would have been a very smart bit of loan business in my view. Uh, kept Chambers yes and signed Gamarash and I don't think we'd be worrying about anything as much as we currently are. And I think absolutely great snap dot. Please do. You just need a camera and good internet connection and a quiet place to record. And uh, yeah. Absolutely, come on. Uh, Chriselle says, could Arteta manage a right or Henri? I think we would be down two legends if we told, if we had him in charge. It's impossible to know. Um, I, the thing about Henri, I don't think Henri's love for Arsenal was very different. Um, obviously, it was during a very different era of football and we had a very different manager at the time. Well, it's impossible to answer the question. It's impossible to know if it would or would not have worked. Neil says, Tom, if we would have... Oh, we've done that one. Uh, let's scroll on a little bit more. Girish says, Tom, why don't Arsenal return to a three at the back? I don't know. I would. I've said this week on week. Uh, Ron says, I don't agree, Tom. Uh, Re if Nketiah was sold and then uh, an in-house player would replace him. Balogun is still not ready to yet to play in the first team. But the way in which you do make him ready is by bedding him in. And that's why to replace Nketiah, who, let's be real, should be the third-place striker at the club, Balogun being the third-place striker, there's lots of teams whose third-position striker are usually a youth player that's being bedded in gradually, Ron. So I don't see an issue with Balogun replacing him and being given time in uh, in the Europa League games and the Cup games and coming off the bench in the Premier League games when we can afford to. Uh, let's go to Answer, who says, do you think we would be going for more experienced players this summer? I mean, we were told that we were combining youth with world-class experience. So you'd imagine, Answer, that, that is the case. And I'll be disappointed if we don't do that in the summer transfer window. Maggi says, it's the 94th minute. We are 1-1 against Chelsea. Which of our attackers would you be most confident of scoring a one-on-one -on -one chance? Martinelli, probably. Martinelli's one-on-ones are, are pretty consistent. Newcastle... Um, Leeds, uh, you think of the, the Chelsea game when he was one-on-one -on -one, uh, in that match as well. Martinelli, I would have uh, the confidence on. 
Uh, Maratta is already on loan. I know he's already on loan, but you've got the process of getting him on loan because you speak to him. The loan gets cancelled. You pay off the loan deal with Juve and you get him on loan from somewhere else. I think Atletico Madrid of where he's at. So it's as simple as that. We're all talking about Maratta's already on loan, but you can still sort out loan deals, especially with if, if you can speak to Maratta's people. There was talk of him moving on from Juve in and from Atletico Madrid in January. It was not a difficult one to do if you'd have given yourself enough time to complete it. Um, it says, I love the way Wright spoke on Eddie. Someone like him needs to have a hard talk with him. Um, Brandon says, just wanted to say, keep up the good work. Thanks, Brandon. That's very kind of you. Uh, in, you know, in really difficult times like this, getting kind comments like that means a lot. So I really appreciate that, mate. Uh, we missed the trick with Veghorst. I'd admit that. I got it wrong with him when I watched him play for the Netherlands, but he'd be a good option off the bench as a rotational option. Again, I I really struggle with the anti-arguments that saying he's only got one or two goals and one assist for Burnley. It's Burnley, mate. It's Burnley. Yeah, if he joins Arsenal, it's very, very different. It's a very, very different environment. A lot more chances being created. We're actually quite good at creating aerial crosses, just haven't got the people to put them away. And Veghorst, I think, and certainly on a six-month loan deal, would have been absolutely fine. Wouldn't have signed him permanently, but I think if you turn to Veghorst and say, look, you can sign for Burnley on a two-, three-year contract and join their relegation battle, maybe get relegated to the second tier of English football, or you can join Arsenal on loan for six months with an option to buy. If not, you return to Wolfsburg, you go back and you get a move in the summer and they keep you, or we activate the release, uh, the option in your deal, which wasn't exactly loads. Wolfsburg were willing to let him go for a relatively acceptable fee. So I don't see why there would have been a problem in getting him in at all. Um, Fahim says, uh, if we made the Europa League, would we be able to sign the quality of players required to compete for the top four? Yes, we would still be able to sign plenty of players because we've signed players of quality outside of the Champions League. It shows that the Arsenal badge, the Arsenal weight, the standing of the club and its ambitions still are enough to attract players even with Mikel Arteta, despite some people's doubts about that. So yes, as I always use the analogy, a transfer window is like a hundred doors and behind each door is a player you can sign. If you're in the Champions League, most of, if not all of those doors are open. If you're not in the Champions League, a lot of doors are closed to you, but not all of them. So that's the way you should look at it. Uh, Terence says, if we play Europa League, we would get relegated. Arteta can't handle both competitions. Well, we've played both competitions and weren't relegated, Terence. So uh, <laughs> you're already factually incorrect on that one. Uh, the Wicked Ticket says, did he join Burnley on loan? It was a permanent move uh, to Burnley on a three-year contract, I think. Uh, GGT Review says, Arteta has changed things in the right way, but he's still got a long way to go. Arteta needs to use more youth players, in my opinion. I mean, we've got a lot of youth players already playing. I say youth players, Saka is still young enough to be a youth player, as is Martinelli, as is Smith-Rowe. I mean, even Tomiyasu could play in the under-23s, as could Ben White previously, as could Tierney and Gabriel prior to the start of this season. It's not like, you know, our, our squad is full of players that aren't available and shouldn't be playing or hadn't been playing youth football. We've got so many young guys in the team already. What I would say is that we've got more opportunities off the bench that we're not using. Why not give Mika Biereth an opportunity from the bench over in Ketty? He gives you height. He gives you good finishing ability. He's scoring goals for the youth team. Why not have him on the bench and bring him off for Nketiah? He's a different option. He's a different opportunity for us. Why not? Why not ask the question? Uh, George says, still asking if we finish 7th or 8th. Do we stick with Arteta? Uh, no, we, we move on, mate. We move on and get someone else. 
Uh, Helia says, uh, if Arsenal end up being 8th or ninth by the end of the season and Crystal Palace ends up in 10th, would Vieira be a better candidate for the job instead of continuing with Arteta? The thing about Vieira is that whilst I think he's done a really good job this season, I just think there's better options. It's not to say that I don't like Vieira. It's just if we moved on from Arteta, we've gone from one project manager to maybe another project manager in Vieira. I want a manager that, yes, can continue on a project, but, you know, he's got genuine pedigree. If you think about it, the amount of people that complain that when you look at the top clubs going for the top four, Chelsea, Tuchel, Pep, Man City, Klopp, Liverpool, Ten Hag coming into Manchester United, Conte at Spurs, and then Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta is the anomaly. You know, he's the outlier. He's the inexperienced one. He's the prodigy. Is Vieira really changing that? Is he changing that dynamic? I don't think that he is. Does a Mancini change that dynamic? I think he does. So I would look to someone with more pedigree next if we change the coach. I don't think they would do it, but that's certainly the way that I would go. Uh, Stephen says, Gura, scroll up. Sorry, Stephen, have I missed your question? I'm sorry if I have done. Uh, I'm scrolling up a little bit more. I'm still struggling, to be fair. We've got a lot of people in. There's nearly 400 of you watching. If you are enjoying the show, and even if you're not and you're disagreeing with me, it's all about opinions, and we try and read out as many as we can. So do please leave a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Stephen, I can't find your question, mate. I'm so sorry if you did leave one. Leave another one and I'll see if I catch it uh, when I scroll down a little bit more. Uh, let's go to uh, Alpha, who says, would Ivan, Tony and Gakpo be sufficient forward cover? I mean, they're two players that I like. I like them a hell of a lot. I think they're players that would improve what we've got as options. I think Tony is a good upgrade. The issue with Tony is I think that I don't think Arteta would want him. I, I think that he's a player that, if you think about the videos that were released of him talking about Brentford, the way he did, that would have lowered his estimations among a lot of teams. So it's a tricky one to get over. And it's a tricky one for me to get over. Do I want a player that bad mouths his team quite like Tony has for Brentford? I'm not sure that I do. Uh, so there you go. Amira says, to be honest, I would have been open to buying Veghorst, a senior and experienced striker alongside the young strikers we've got. Um, it could also integrate academy strikers and when they're ready as well. I uh, am going to end things off there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your time, as always. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. Uh, and I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for the next one. And, of course, a reaction to the Chelsea game uh, later at full time on the whistle. So do join me for that. It's been a pleasure. Join me at 10 a.m. over on the Arsenal way as well. And uh, if you're still interested in coming to our live show on Thursday, make sure to email uh, thehybridsquad at gmail.com and get more information about it there. See you soon, guys. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.